Thank you, Diana. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians in your Bibles. I trust that you know this morning where you're going, your eternal destination, where you'll live for all of eternity. The Bible says that after this life, it's appointed once to die. And uh, for those who die this flesh, it, it passes away. Those who are found in Christ, those who have received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, are immediately with the Lord in glory and will be ever with the Lord. But the Bible also says that those who die apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have never received Christ as their personal Savior, perish and they suffer eternal, eternal death, the Bible calls it. And in a place called hell, and it's a literal place, it's a real place, but I appreciated the song so much this morning, uh, from God's heart to ours, the Lord sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save sinners. And uh, I'm a sinner, and I needed to be saved, and those who are sinners who humble themselves and believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, shall be saved. God will save them, and he has saved me, and he takes sinners... And he calls us saints after he saved us. And uh, so I hope this morning you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're a child of God, that he has saved your soul from death and hell. And that's what we've been looking at in Ephesians. We looked in the first three chapters and we saw our inheritance in the Lord. We were reminded of who we used to be, dead in our sins and trespasses, um, deserving of hell for all of eternity. And um, in our sins with no hope of saving ourselves, and yet God sent his son to die on the cross, and he gave whosoever will, those who believe upon him, he's given us eternal life. He's given us forgiveness of sins. Think about that. He's pardoned us from our sins. Um, He will not hold us guilty because he judged his son in our sin in his son, in the body of his son on that cross some 2,000 years ago. We moved on from chapter 3, and we've moved on into chapters 4, gone through chapter 5. We're now in chapter 6, and we've really been able to see what God's plan is, what his desire is for our lives. He didn't just send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to save us from death and hell in the, past, in the future, uh, but he also sent his son to die on the cross to save us from sin today and the destruction of sin today. As parents... None of us like watching our children learn the hard way. None of us like that. To some degree, all children do learn the hard way. We all learn hard lessons. Um, when, 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 When God is speaking of his salvation for us, it's not just talking about life in the future in heaven. He's talking about his salvation in our lives today. And when we looked at chapter 5, we saw that God has made a provision for our salvation. Look down to verse number 18 of chapter 5. He, said, he says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, verse 18 of chapter 5, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit of God. If, if you're a child of God... We who are saved, if we are not living a life that is under the control of the Spirit of God, we are not, we are not enjoying the salvation of God. 
if we are just saved from death and hell to come, but we are living this life in the flesh, sowing to the flesh, making decisions, saying yes to our flesh, then we are a miserable people. And we are not pleasing God. But the positive side to this is God has made a provision for you and for me to be victorious over this godless, wicked flesh that every one of us have. And we can live our lives when we say yes to the Spirit of God and to His sword, which is the Word of God. When we say yes to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God from within us molds us and shapes us and we live a life that is fully pleasing to God. Isn't that amazing that God could take a sinner who deserved hell and hated him? God can take a sinner and save our souls. And he has given us his Holy Spirit. And when a child of God says yes to his Holy Spirit, that child of God no longer lives a life of selfishness and rebellion against God. Sowing to the flesh and of the flesh reaping consequences for flesh living. A child of God who sows to the Spirit who says yes to the Spirit of God, can live a life that is absolutely pleasing to God at the highest level. And that is possible for every single one of us in this room. And I want you to know that. If you're a child of God, you and I, we do not have to live a life of, of sowing to the flesh and, flesh and consequences, but you and I can live a life that is pleasing to God at the highest level. You're still in chapter 5. Look at verse number 19 just for a moment because we saw in verses 19, 20, and 21, we saw how uh, a person whose life is filled with the Spirit of God, controlled by the Spirit of God, the fruits of the filling of the Spirit. In verse number 19, we talked about joy. He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. There ought to be a joy. There's always a joy in the life of a believer who's filled with the Spirit of God. Now, it's interesting because life is hard, and sometimes hardship, when it comes into our lives, there's a lot of sadness. Sometimes there's grievous things that come into our lives. We, we mourn, we weep sometimes. But a, but a child of God who's filled, controlled by the Spirit of God, can go through that time of mourning, and still, deep down in their heart, there's a joy. There's a hope a blessed hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, that everything's going to be okay. Uh, in verse number 20, he talked about giving thanks. And this is, again, a product in the life of someone who's filled with the Spirit. He says, giving thanks always for all things. <laughs> all things? I've asked Cindy before at times, I said, should I be thankful for this? And I'm just talking to my wife, right, openly, the answer is yes. All things. And the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank, a thankful heart is a result of being filled with the Spirit. And then verse 21, and this is really what I want to get into this morning. He says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. There's a wonderful harmony. There's a wonderful unity in the lives of believers who are filled with the Spirit. When a group of people who are born again meet together, it's called a church. And when you have a church, a group of born again believers, who are all as individuals filled, controlled by the Spirit of God, you have beautiful harmony. You have wonderful unity. 
It is impossible for a church to have that kind of harmony without being individually under the control and authority and leadership of the Spirit of God. Now, the same is true for our homes, and that's what we're talking about. That's where the, the text goes. Immediately from there, he begins to talk to hus- or wives about submitting themselves unto their own husbands. And then he talks to husbands about loving their wives like Christ loves the church. And now we're in chapter 6, and he's talking to children directly. The only time in Scripture where God talks to children directly. There's a lot of commands in the Bible that can apply to children. But this is the only place in the Bible that I know of where God talks directly to children. And he says to children, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And he says, honor thy father and thy mother. And you know that when wives are filled with the Spirit of God, they submit to their husbands. It's true. Do you know that when a husband is filled with the Spirit of God, he loves his wife like Christ loves the church? It's really impossible for a husband to love his wife like Christ loves the church. He may love his wife, but it's impossible to love his wife like Christ loves the church if that man is not filled, controlled by the Spirit of God. And the same is true for children. This is the context. God's standard is wives submit, husbands love, children obey and honor your parents. You know that it's possible for us, that's God's standard, submit, love, and honor, and obey. That's God's standard. Do you realize it's possible to keep God's standard but not do it with the right spirit? You know that it's possible to keep that law of God but not please God? The whole point of this is you need to be under the control of the Spirit of God. And you know, Mom and Dad, it's our responsibility to train up our children in the way that they should go. If all we get out of this as parents is, wow, my my child's supposed to obey and honor me. Well, I'm going to teach them how to obey and honor me. If that's all we get out of this, you know what you and I could do with wisdom, uh, parents... Parents could teach their children to obey and honor them. Would that be good? Yes or no? It would be. But if that's all we get, we'd be missing the mark. Our responsibility as parents is to teach our children how to be controlled by the Spirit of God. That's a little harder. It's hard enough to teach children to obey and honor But what you and I as parents need to teach our children is how to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Because children who are saved, that are controlled by the Spirit of God, obey and honor their parents. Look at chapter 6 and verse 1. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us today. Father, we tend to be law keepers, rule keepers. We tend to make rules, set standards, and then keep those standards. And Lord, we understand from your word that there are many rules, there are laws, and there are standards. But Father, we also understand that in our flesh we always fall woefully short 
of pleasing you. Whether we forsake the standards or we try to keep them in our flesh. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to connect this provision, your Holy Spirit living within us, to your standard, children obeying and honoring their parents. And, Father, I pray that we as parents would be able to set an example for our children of submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of you. Father, I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We've looked at it a little bit last week. We really just got through the beginning of verse number one. Children, obey your parents. And that's all we talked about all last week. Children, obey your parents. The primary role of a child is to obey their parent. That's the primary role of a child to a parent. And remember, we talked about what it means to be a child. The child is... Not, we're not talking about a baby, an infant. We're talking about a child, uh, anything about after an infant, all the way through where that child is still under your authority or my authority as parents. But the child is to be submitting to the authority of his parents. And all of this comes in the, within the context back of verse number 21 in chapter 5, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Remember, the wife is to submit to the needs of her husband. The husband is to submit to the needs of his wife. The child is to submit to the authority and needs of his parents. And we're going to see next week, Lord willing, that the parents are to submit to the needs of their child. That is not, I did not say that, that parents are to submit to their, or excuse me, yeah, parents are to submit to their children. I did not say that. I said parents are to submit to the needs of their children. Again, the goal of all of this, or the the provision that God has made for a happy, God-honoring, God-pleasing home, is himself. His spirit. The spirit of Christ living within us. It is not faith for a wife to say, I can't submit to my husband. You may not be able to, and in that sense you may be right. But the provision that Christ has made for you by his Holy Spirit, it would be inappropriate and unbiblical for you to say that you don't have what it takes to submit to your husband. You do have what it takes. You have the Holy Spirit. There are some husbands here, and you might say, Pastor Ferguson, I've tried to love my wife like Christ loves the church, but I fail every time. Well, that's because you've been depending upon you. You've been depending upon you. You've given it your dead level best shot. And you failed. Um, Just like it was impossible for you and I to save ourselves from death and hell, so too is it impossible for a child of God to live the life that God has saved us to live in our own flesh. We have to all understand this. We, in and of ourselves, do not have what it takes to live the life that God has saved us to live. But the good news is God has made a provision for us, and that is his Holy Spirit. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Remember that word obey, it comes from two Greek words or two different parts of of, a Greek word. Hupa, the beginning part of hupa, akuo, means uh, under. Hupa means under. Akuo, we get our English word acoustics from it. It means to listen, to listen. And so for a child to obey their parents means that a child is to listen to what their parents are saying and to put themselves under the authority of their parents. Well, that's good, isn't it? 
Young people, are you listening to what your parents are saying? Young people, we got some teenagers in this room, college students. Are you listening to what your parents are telling you? It is your biblical role. It is God's standard for you to listen to your parents, but then not just to listen to them and be like, yeah, whatever. No, no, to listen means to heed what they're saying and to put yourself under their authority. You know, as I speak this, and I'm not going to go into detail, but I, my dad and my mom are sitting here. At least I see dad. Mom, are you there? Okay, there she is. Um, dad stands out a little bit more. He's a little bigger. You know, I see my parents, and it, I can go back in time, in my mind, to a time where I was struggled with this. Listening. Dad, did I always listen to what you and mom said? No. He answered that. He, no, no. Every child struggles with this. Okay? You're going to struggle with this. Just like a wife struggles to submit herself to her own husband. Just like a husband struggles to love his wife the way Christ loves the church. Children struggle to listen to what their parents are saying and willfully put themselves under the authority of their parents. But yet the Bible says, children, obey your parents. Children, get under the authority of your parents and stay there. It's safe there. Listen to their instruction. Hear what they're saying. Follow and obey their leadership and listen to what they're telling you to do. Notice the next statement in verse number one. He says, in the Lord. Children are supposed to obey their parents. And then he says, in the Lord. Children are to obey their parents in the Lord. God is saying that when a child obeys his parents, that child is serving God. When a child obeys his parents, that child is pleasing God. When a child obeys their parents, listens to what his parents are saying to him, and willfully submits himself to the authority of his parents, that child is honoring and worshiping God. When we think of worship, we think about singing hymns together. And that can be worship. But worship is more than a song. You know, young people, you can honor, you can honor God and you can please God. And you can worship God when you willfully listen to your parents and put yourself under their authority. Do you know that you're worshiping God when you do that? Next time your mom says, hey, I need you to go and do this. Go to your room, make your bed, clean up your room. Or, hey, dad says, hey, I need you to come out and help me out in the yard. So turn off that and let's come out and get going. If you listen and willfully submit to them with the right attitude, you are worshiping God. You are serving God. Sometimes when we think about serving, we think about mission trips. And we're going to have a report on one tonight. And great report, great news. You're going to love it. Or sometimes we think about singing. We, we, we can serve God through singing. And we're going to have some children tonight who are going to sing and put on a skit for us. And it's going to be a great service. Or sometimes we think about serving God while being a pastor or being a missionary or, or uh, those things. I want us to understand. We have to understand this. Serving God is wives submitting, husbands loving, children obeying, and honoring. Look at verse number one, the latter part. He tells us why children ought to obey their parents. And the answer is in the latter part of verse 1. He says, because this is right. And I mentioned it briefly last week, but that word right comes from, is the same word that's used to describe God as holy. Same word to describe Jesus Christ as righteous. It is the word right. 
And young people and parents, please understand this. When children obey their parents, when they listen to what they're saying, when they listen to the instruction of their parents, no one likes being instructed. We all have uh, a layer where when someone starts telling us what to do or why we ought to do it or how we should do something, most of us have a layer where we kind of go, I know how to do this. I can remember... Dad teaching me how to swim. It was like an old sand pit or something like that down in Adrian, Michigan. And he'd take me down there and he'd put me on his back and he'd pretend he was a big blue whale. I was only like four, I think. And he would swim along and I would be holding on, choking him from behind, you know, hanging on his back. And he'd always have to tell me, don't squeeze so tight. We can't breathe here. And then he'd say, okay, we're going to go under. And I'd say, no, no, no. And he would, he'd submerge. And I'm holding on. He'd say, hold your, that was the last thing he'd say, is hold your breath. And we were going under, whether I did or not. I don't know if you cared about that or not, Dad, but I almost drowned. And he'd go under. And he'd, he'd always tell me, kick, 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 you know, before we'd go under. We'd do some of that. And then finally, you know, he's holding me there in the shallow part of the water. And he's saying, kick and pull, kick and pull, kick and pull. And I remember one point just... I was tired of kicking and pulling, and I was tired of him holding me. And I remember I kind of walked away, and I was just a little guy, probably about four, and, and told him, I can do this by myself. Some of us have that attitude. We ought to listen to the instruction of our parents. A couple of thoughts this morning. Look at verse number four, and we're not going to get through all of verse four here this morning, but I want you to see very clearly that God intends for children to obey and honor. We've seen that. But also, God intends for parents to teach their children how to obey and how to honor. That is our parental role. It is our God-given role, is the the role of a parent to teach their children how to obey and how to honor. And if we are successful in teaching our children how to obey and honor their God-given authority as mom and dad, then we will be successful in teaching our children how to honor and obey their God-given authority in the future, and ultimately God. Look at verse number four. He says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nurture means to train or to educate, to discipline, to instruct, to teach. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition to call to attention, sometimes a rebuke or a warning. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're not going to go much further with verse four, verse 4 this morning because we don't have time for it. But it is our God-given parental responsibility for parents to teach children how to obey and how to honor. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says it this way, Train up a child in the way he should go, that when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. It doesn't say herd your children or raise your children like cattle. We raise animals. We should be training children. Train up your child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Parents that love their children discipline their children. They discipline their children so that the child will learn obedience, so so that the child will learn respect, so that that child will learn reverence for authority. The child who is rebellious against his parents will no doubt be rebellious against his employer. 
He'll be rebellious against his school teachers. He'll be rebellious against administration. A child who will not obey, listen, and submit herself or himself to the authority of his parents and honor his parents will do the very same thing with other people. And and get this in the context of which we're talking. Remember, the spirit-filled believer is submitting themselves to the needs of those around them. Biblically, we're talking here. We're not talking about unbiblical things. But the child who is not trained by the parents to obey and honor the parents, to submit themselves as a child to the needs of their parents, to honor and obey what God has told and commanded them to do, that child will also struggle to submit to the needs, if she's a girl, to her own husband someday. She's not going to submit herself to her own husband as unto the Lord. She's going to have to learn the hard way. And the, and, the, and the boy who is not trained by his parents to obey and honor his parents will likewise really struggle to love his wife like Christ loves the church. So parents that love their children, discipline their children so that their children will learn obedience to God's word, respect for authority, and reverence for authority. Proverbs 13, verse 24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. And the rod, I've told you last week, was like a small tender branch. We're not talking about something that would do damage to a child. We're not talking about physical abuse. And, and, and I'll not go much further in that because we took a lot of time with it last week. But he that spareth his rod hateth his son. There have been times where one of my children needed to be disciplined and I didn't do it. You know why? Because I didn't want to stop doing what I was doing. Because what I was doing at that moment to me was more important than my child was to me. And I was wrong. I was wrong. Sometimes parents don't discipline their children. That's always the root of it right there. But sometimes we, well, the game was on. Or we were involved with our hobby. Or we had something to do. We had something, what we mean to say is more important to do than our children. We loved ourselves at that moment more than we loved our kids. The Bible goes on to say there in Proverbs, but he that loveth him... Loveth his child, chasteneth him many times, be times. So if a child is going to learn obedience, there has to be a painful consequence for disobedience. That's pretty simple. It's biblical. If a child is going to learn obedience, there has to be a biblical or a painful consequence for disobedience, or that child will never learn to obey. And if children are to obey and honor their parents, it's obvious that parents are to instruct their children. And we took some time last week, we went through multiple Proverbs. Do you remember that? I read from proverb after proverb after proverb. And over and over again, the Bible was saying repeatedly, children, listen, heed your mom, listen to your dad, listen to the instruction of your dad, listen to what your mom's telling you to do. Are you listening to your parents? When the Bible says in, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, children, obey your parents. He's saying, listen to what mom and dad are saying. And willingly submit yourself to the authority of your parents. Now, I don't know if I need to go into greater detail than that. That seems pretty simple. But I'm afraid, to some degree, we find ourselves in a, in a, in a time in society where that's not all that clear. Where kids, where children might 
hear that, a teenager or a college student might even hear that and say, well, yeah, but when mom or dad says something, that's my opportunity to rebut them, to tell them why they're wrong. Children, obey your parents. You can do this. You can do this, and it's pleasing to God if you do. Look over to Luke chapter 2 for just a few minutes. Luke chapter 2 in your Bibles. And I want to look at a passage of Scripture that talks about the Lord Jesus Christ when he was about 11 or 12 years old. 11, 12, maybe 13 years of age. Luke chapter 2. He was young. The Bible doesn't say a lot about Jesus when he was a child, but here in Luke chapter 2, in verse 52, we find some words about the Lord Jesus Christ when he was a child. Because, and you'll see this from this passage, children are born into this world with four uh, primary deficiencies. Now, I'm not trying to offend you if you're a parent, to saying your child has a deficiency. But all of us were born in this world with four basic deficiencies. And I'll give them to you. Uh, one's mental, they lack wisdom. One's physical, they were just little, you remember that? I hated, I, I loved them, they were beautiful, but I hated Helping get anything on them. You ever try to put a, a onesie on a little one like that? It's just, they're not, you feel like you're going to break them. You know, it's just terrible. Uh, but there, there were some deficiencies, you know. They couldn't ride the four-wheeler then. They couldn't, they couldn't throw a ball. You know, they couldn't speak. There's a lot of things they couldn't do. They had to grow in those areas. Um, we also see that they were spiritually deficient. They were spiritually deficient, and they were also socially deficient. Look here in Luke chapter 2. Look at verse 51 first. It says, And he, speaking about Jesus, went down with them, his parents, and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. And we're talking about Jesus here, the Christ. Now, he's only about 11, 12, maybe about 12 at the time. He is subject to his parents. He's willfully putting himself under, he's willfully submitting himself to the authority of his parents. Now, if Jesus would do that, don't you think that children today ought to do that? What do you think? I think so. It says, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And then look at verse 52. And Jesus, the Bible says, increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, I want you to think about those words for just a few moments. We're still thinking about this idea that God intends children to obey their parents and honor their parents, and God intends, it is his intent and plan for you and I as parents to train up our children to honor and obey us. Because if, if they'll learn to do that, they will then honor and obey their authority, their God-given authority throughout their lives, and live a life that is pleasing to God and blessable. Look at the first statement there in verse 52, how he grew in wisdom. He grew in wisdom. And, and the Bible here is talking about mentally. Jesus, as a young boy, had to grow mentally. Our children, when they're born in this world, they lack discretion. Right? They lack discretion. They lack discernment. I've told you before, you know, I paid William five bucks for doing something, gave him a $5 bill, and he was disappointed. And he would have will, gladly accepted two $1 bills for that $5 bill. He lacks discretion. He has to grow in that area, right? Children lack knowledge. 
Children don't know it all. We as adults don't know it all, do we? We have to grow in these areas. Children need to be taught to distinguish between right and wrong. Mom and Dad, if you're sitting back and you're waiting for your children to figure it out on their own, you are going to observe and watch your child learn the hard way. And it is going to bring grief to your heart and shame to your heart, and it's going to bring hardship to them. And they will suffer, and they will learn the hard way, and you will weep with them if you're close enough to do that. It's your responsibility and my responsibility as a parent to teach our children to distinguish between right and wrong and truth and error, and things that are beneficial and things that are destructive. Children need to grow mentally. The second point there in that verse is stature. He grew in stature. What, what does that mean? Jesus was growing. That's what it means. Are your children growing? Do you have a little chart at home, a place on the, in the house where you mark on the wall? We have a spot on the back of the door, in one of the, one of the doors in our home, and we mark. And those, the kids are growing like this much every year. It's ridiculous. They're just growing. They're growing in stature. There's a need for children to grow up physically. When they first came to us, they were incredibly weak. They were helpless. A baby abandoned is going to die. To some degree, even as they continue to grow. I'm not sure how well they could survive, some of them. Some could do better than others. But they, have, they, they can't sustain themselves, and so parents are responsible to see that children are fed and that they get the sleep that they need. Why? Because children cannot survive without their parents. They cannot make it on their own in this world. They, they, they can't defend themselves. They need parental protection. Spiritually, look at the third part there in that verse. He grew in favor with God. Spiritually. Now, I'm, I'm talking, if we're, that verse is talking about Jesus grew as a boy. He grew in favor with God, and he's talking about spiritually. Now, I want to talk to you about our, our own children. You know, our children don't naturally grow to love God. If, if, if Cindy and I took our hands off of our children completely and just let them make their own rules and live life how they wanted to do it, eat what they want, come to church when they want, memorize verses when they want, sing in what they want to, don't sing in what they want to, go to whatever school they want, or not go to school, or do if they don't or don't, it doesn't, don't or do, it doesn't matter, just let them make all decisions for their lives, they will not grow up to be spiritually minded people. They will not love God, and they will not know God, and they will not follow God. Parents, it is our responsibility to train them up in the way that they should go. And all of us as parents, some of us, our children are out of the home, and some of us, our children are right smack dab in the middle of the home, in the whole part of the home, and we're right in the middle of it, we're right in the fray at this moment in our lives and, and, and I want you to know, it is an, and you know this, it is an overwhelming responsibility. I mean, there are times where, where I'll shake my head and, and I'll pray aloud to the Lord and say, God, I need your help training my children. Now, there are times when we have four of them, I've thought, four? What are the, you know, what are the odds that we can pull this off? Now, Pardon me for speaking so frankly to you, but that's thoughts pass through my mind. 
What are the chances that all four of them could grow to love and know God? I mean, truly know Him. I'm not just talking about attending church. Or just passing through Awana and getting some awards. Though those are good things. These are good things. But that's not the ultimate goal. What are the, what, Lord, could you please give me and my wife the wisdom and give us the grace? Lord, we do not have what it takes to accomplish this outside of you. Please help us to train up our children to know what it is, to know who you are, and to know who they are. And Lord, that they would, that they would follow you and say yes to your spirit. That they would be filled with the spirit of God. Children don't naturally grow to love and honor God. You know, when, they, when our children are young, they begin to comprehend God. The other day I was doing some studying and William was there. And whenever I'm studying, uh, William likes to talk to me about what I'm studying. And the other day, he actually verbalized, he, he wanted to know if tomorrow was Sunday. That was, that was Friday. He asked the question, tomorrow Sunday? He said, no, Sunday's not for a couple more days. Are we going to church in the evening? I said, we are. He said, oh, good. And I looked at his eyes like, are you lying? Because <laughs> he kind of struggles with that. He'd much rather have there be a program for kids. And if you sit up in this general area, you know that there's a struggle sometimes. You've seen Cindy go out multiple times in the past. He's six now. He's getting better. But it's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of work. And mom and dad, we're not alone in this. You're going to have to decide. You're going to put in a lot of work. You know what? When your children aren't six anymore, when they're 14 or 15 or 16, uh, and they're saying, you know, I really don't want to go. Should I, as a parent, if William says he doesn't want to go, should I give him what he wants? Do you give your child everything your child wants? Now, we all like to give our children what they want, don't we? Come on now, as parents, do you? It's not just grandparents who like to do that. I love doing that. I love doing it. I love, I'd like to give them everything they want. But I know that wouldn't be best for them. I love, I love to make them happy. I love to see pleasure in their eyes. But that wouldn't be right on every level. I can do it in some areas, but I can't in other areas. And just like there are times for a six-year-old when he's like, oh, we have to go again. And we're like, yes, you do. And here's why. Because it's the right thing to do, William. Because this is the word of God, William. Because God's speaking to us through his word because he loves us so much. And then Cindy has to take him out once or twice. And then there have been a couple times, I'm being real transparent with you, but we get home in the evening and Cindy's like, you know, I'm not getting anything out of these messages. And you know what? It's embarrassing. And it's just, are we, are we causing more damage to the church than, than good? You know, are we, we, are we distracting other people? You know, maybe we should sit somewhere else, you know. All of those thoughts, I'm just saying this stuff because these thoughts probably pass through your mind. This isn't a matter of you're going to go and you're going to like it without any communication. No, there has to be communication as to why we go and why it's good to go and why it's important to go and why it's right to go and all of these things. And we communicate these things. And it's not a one Sunday conversation. This goes on for years 
And it's different for each child, too. One child's like, yippee, we're going to church. And the other child's like, oh, I don't like church. You know. I don't know where you're at, but I've got to tell you this. You need to do it when they're young, because as it gets older, it is not going to get easier. If you're waiting for your child to grow up when he's 11 or 12 and have an epiphany, wow, church is incredible. The Word of God is, and it's more valuable than Fortnite or whatever the, the hot video game is going on at that time. If you're waiting for that, it's not going to happen because your child is a child. You're going to have to be the disciplined one. You're going to have to be the leader. You have to train up your child in spiritual things. The fourth part of that verse is that Jesus grew socially in favor, not just with God, but with men, with mankind. Children aren't born into this world socially acclimated. What's the dominant, what's the dominant characteristic of a, of a child? What would you say it is? Selfishness. I agree with you. And that's when they're really little, even. It's, it's about them. And if you don't train that out of them, if you allow them to continue on, and some children are more stubborn than others, they're kind of like us. Some of us are more stubborn than others. <laughs> I mean, there are times where we've talked, and so you look at me, and she'll be like, He's yours. And she doesn't mean you take care of it. She means he's you all over again. She's imagining. And she's probably right about some of those things. And there's other times I'll look at her and be like, where'd this come from? Yeah. We can see that. We can see that in our children. You know, our children are born in this world and we're selfish. And our children are selfish when they're born in this world. That's the dominant trait. It's complete selfishness. We're not born into this world humble and selfless and putting the needs of others before our own. They want what they think belongs to them, and they want it now. Now. When we honestly consider the needs of our children, we can understand why Proverbs tells us to give knowledge to our children and to, and to give discretion to our children. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, Paul was speaking about spiritual things, but he said it this way, When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. That has to be learned. It has to be learned. And it has to be taught. And just like when you and I, when God, through his word, instructs us, do you always receive the instruction of the word of God? You always receive it. Do you always take the high road? You know, God reveals something to you, and you know this is what he wants. Do you always go to that level, or maybe above? Do you always do that? Where do we tend to go? Just short of it. And our children are kind of the same way. And parents, it's our God-given responsibility to provide an environment for our children that will help them learn what it is to honor and obey their parents. And you know what? That environment, some of, our, some of, our, some of us have our children are homeschooled. Uh, others, others are in Christian school. Others are in public education. Some maybe in charter schools. I don't know. Some of us have our children in college. We've got children of different ages, right? Some, uh, some of our children, uh, you know, during the summer months, they're not in any school at all. 
Um, when I talk about environment, I'm not talking about a particular location. Some of us, we can send our children to Christian school. Some of us can homeschool. Some of us, uh, it, it works. it's working for you to have your children in public school. That's where you've chosen to put your child. What I'm telling you is this. No matter where your children are, you are responsible to God, and I am responsible to God to train up our children in the way that they should go. And it is not enough. And many parents have made the mistake of saying, well, I put my children in Christian school, and so there, it'll all be taken care of. You know what, I'm making financial sacrifices to put them there. Or some say, you know what, I'm going to homeschool my children. And if I homeschool my children there, that will be enough. If we go through the motions of homeschooling our children, that will be enough to train up our children to know how to be filled with the Spirit Submit themselves to the needs of their parents, obey and honor. But it's possible to homeschool or a Christian school or public school or charter school and fail at this. And it doesn't matter what age it is, life changes, our children change, circumstances change, but the responsibility stays the same. And if we don't train up our children the way God is instructed, then we will produce a generation of evil people and wicked and rebellious people. In Proverbs 30, in verse number 11, the Bible says this, There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. What does dad know? What does mom know? What I'm doing, whatever I'm doing is right, and I can do whatever I want, and I can think whatever I want, and I can say whatever I want, and go wherever I want, and do whatever I want. It doesn't matter. I'm right in my own eyes. Much of our society today is like that. And mom and dad, it is our responsibility. Look at verses 2 and 3 about children honoring their parents. And this is the second part of the child's submission to his parents. The first part is children obey. The second part is children honor, honoring their parents. Look at verses 2 and 3 of of Ephesians. He says in verse 2, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. He quotes from Exodus chapter 20. It's imperative, I think, to remember that Paul is writing to a local church. He's writing to believers primarily. And this message primarily is for believers because an unsaved person, an unsaved parent, cannot teach their child how to be filled with the Spirit. Do you understand that? And again, I say to you, the standard God has set for children is Obey your parents and honor your parents. That's the standard. Is, it's good to keep the standard. People who keep the standard, that standard of obeying and honoring, saved and unsaved, will enjoy, to some degree, God's blessing. You understand that? An unsaved, unsaved parents who teach their children how to listen to what they say and submit themselves to their parental authority and have a right attitude in obeying their parents, those unsaved children will live prosperous lives for the most part. They will know how to interact with society, their employers, their employees, in the college that they attend or university that they attend. Um, 
in their, in their marriage that going forward, they'll have learned some traits. These are godly principles or godly truths. And by the way, whenever God's word is obeyed, no matter who obeys it, there is some blessing. There's some element of blessing upon a society. But I'm saying to you that if all we do is teach our children to obey us and to honor us, while they may enjoy a prosperous life on this earth, it's impossible for an unsaved person to teach their child how to be filled with the Spirit of God. Children who are filled with the Spirit of God, who learn to say yes to God's Spirit, and want to obey and please God above all other things, honor and obey their parents. Honoring. What does it mean to honor? Well, obeying one's parents is the act. That's Ian taking out the trash can and taking out the road and spinning it the right way so when the guy comes along with the big giant claw, he can throw it right in. Him doing it, obeying. That's good. That's the act. That's the action. The attitude, though, is more important than the action. And the attitude of, of honoring will result in children obeying. It's possible for a child to obey his parents, technically, to listen to what his parents are saying, to do what his parents are saying, but to do it with the wrong attitude. That's possible, I suppose. But it's not ultimately profitable. The child is rebellious. He resents his authority. He's just doing the bare minimum. But when a child honors his parents. And that word honor has the idea of to be in awe of, to revere. Um, This is hilarious. Yesterday I told Will, I said, hey Will, one week from now, Michigan's playing a big game. Big game, Will. And he said, uh, he wanted to know what color uniform they were going to wear. And and I told him what color, I don't don't know. I said, maybe blue and yellow, you know. And uh, he said, uh, are you going to play? And I looked at Cindy, she's in the kitchen, we're all in the kitchen, I said, yeah, not this time, I'm not going to play. And then he said this, you don't want to hurt them? (laughs) You see where I'm at in Will's spectrum? I'm like here. I'm not there with anybody else, but with Will, I'm right up there. He's in awe of me. You know what would happen to me if I played with those guys? (laughs) They'd have to carry body parts off. Multiple. Go grab that part of him over there, and I'd never be the same again. But you know what? There's an element of awe and reverence for his daddy. Now, this same word honor is found in different portions of Scripture. In John 5 and verse 23 Jesus Christ spoke of it this way regarding himself and God. He said that all men should honor the Son, Jesus Christ, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Now, we as parents, we're not God, and we ought not want our children to worship us like that. That's not what we're talking about here. But he is talking about an attitude of respect and honor and reverence toward our parents. And you know that we as children, and we have a lot of children in this room, You say, no, we don't. We have mostly adults. No, we have a lot of children because all of us have parents. Many of us have parents who are living. And you know that as long as our parents are living, we ought to honor and respect our parents. Do you know that? Do you do that? 
You say, well, Seth, my parents aren't perfect. Right. I know that. You know that. You and I are supposed to honor and respect our parents. You know that in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 20, when God said, the fifth of the Ten Commandments, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth. You know that that in the Old Testament, within, under the Old Testament law, do you know that that meant that children were supposed to provide financially for their parents when their parents got to what the Old Testament called the evil day, which was the time where they couldn't work anymore, they couldn't provide for themselves anymore? Do you know that? That's how God planned it. In fact, Jesus clarifies that. I think it's in John, uh, is it in John? No, it's Matthew 15. Uh, in verse number four, Jesus is talking to Pharisees. And the Pharisees were upset about something. They were, they were saying, if you eat uh, on this particular day, it's as bad as if you killed somebody. And Jesus talks to them, and he basically says to them, he says, no, you have twisted the law, and he's dealing with them about uh, uh, religious rituals and pure worship toward God. But he basically, Jesus tells them there, and he quotes for them, honor thy father and thy mother. And then he, tell, he actually condemns them, and he tells them, he says, you've actually twisted it to the point where people in our society, in Jesus' day, children were doing this. Their parents would get to the evil day, but the children did not have reverence for their parents, and they didn't want to shell out any money for their parents. And you know what they would do? They would say this. They would say, you know what? My money is a gift to God. My money and all that I have is, is a gift of worship to the Lord, and so I can't take my gift of worship and use it on my parents. And the Pharisees were letting it go. And probably lining their pockets a little bit along the way. And Jesus says, you're a hypocrite. You've missed the whole point. You need to honor your parents. Now, I'm not saying in our day, under the New Testament law, it is required of God that a child financially support his parents in the day when they cannot for themselves. But I can tell you this, if your parents could not afford it, would it be right to do so? Yes, it would. It would be right to do so. And the point is simply this, Young people and adults, it is our God-given responsibility to honor our parents. It is right to honor our parents. You know, Paul used the word the same way in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17 where he was speaking about pastors being worthy of a double honor. You and I as children are to honor our parents. Look at verse number 2, the latter part of Ephesians chapter 6. He says that this is the first commandment with promise. You know that the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments, there was no promises from God to the the keepers of those commandments. Were they important commandments? Yeah, they were important commandments. Let me read them to you very quickly. The first commandment was, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The second commandment, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. The third commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath Sabbath day to keep it holy. And there were no blessings associated with those commandments. But we come to the fifth commandment, and the rest of them are going to have to do with mankind. They're more horizontal, how I should interact with mankind. And the fifth commandment, which is the beginning of those that are relative to how we interact with mankind, the fifth commandment is so important that God puts a promise with it. 
Why? Because it is the key to all other human relationships. And not just that, but the passing along of a righteous seed. Mom and Dad, it's our responsibility to train up our children to obey and to honor their parents. It isn't about us, either. We love it when our children obey. The other day, uh, something happened, and neither Cindy or I were there, and we asked Ian about it, and he told us, and, and he did the right thing. He did the right thing. We weren't there. We were as proud as a peacock. And we didn't show him, but we were, I, was, I, I, I don't know what I said to him. I was very, very thankful. One of those moments, he did the right thing when there was nobody there to make sure he would. You know, those, ty- those kinds are great for moms and dads, but that isn't the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not for my children to obey me, listen to what I say, and do what I say with the right attitude so everybody else can look at me and say, wow, what good parents they are. That's not the goal. The goal of parenting is to train up our kids. Help them to learn how to obey and honor authority. So ultimately they will obey and honor God. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want? We ought to run that race. We ought to strive for that. Look at verse number three. There's a promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long upon the earth. A full life. A rich life, and I'm not talking about finances, but a life with God in his new kingdom forever. That's the, that's, the, that's the reward for children who honor and obey their parents. So if God's will for children is to obey and honor their parents, if obeying and honoring mom and dad is God's standard for children, and standards are wise and good, Most all of us parents are seeking to teach our children to live up to this God-given standard. But are we telling them how to? And the how-to is to be filled with the Spirit. I don't know how many of us in this room have ever talked to our children about being under the control of Jesus Christ in their heart. I told you before, I think it was last week or a couple weeks ago, and I think it was Tori where it's what you said, was it kind? What would Christ have had you say? You need to say yes to him. See what I'm doing? I'm talking to her about, I, you know, I'm not saying you need to quote, be ye filled with the spirit. But we need to teach them to be yielded and surrendered to the filling of the spirit of God. Look back to Ephesians 4 just briefly. I want you to see this. This is so important. Maybe you struggle with this idea of what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. In Ephesians 4, look at verse 22, because he's going to give you three statements in three verses. In verse 22, he says, Put off concerning the former conversation, the way you used to live. Stop living the way you used to live. The old man, he calls him, which is corrupt, According to the deceitful lusts. I'll simplify it and say it this way. Say no to the flesh. You can talk to your children this way. When you're tempted to lash out with your tongue and respond, say no to what you feel like doing. Some of us could learn from that. There's some men in this room 
You need to do this. Say no to what you feel like doing. You say, but Seth, I've been in this habit so long. Say no to it. You say, I have before. Okay, let's look at step two. Look at verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know what he's talking about there? He's saying meditate upon God's word. Which is another reason why I have no intentions of stopping meeting our church on Sunday night. Maybe we should not spend as much time around the word of God. That'll help things. Do you really think so? I don't. I don't think it'll help at all. I don't think being under God's word less will help us more. So he says, say no to the habit and think on things that are true, primarily what the word of God says. And then look at verse 24. He says, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And I'll simplify that, and that is say yes to the spirit of God. Now, don't miss this. This may be the most important part of the whole message. This is just isn't for children, but this is about parents training kids. You and I need to train our children to say no to what is wrong. Your flesh wants to do, you say no to it. You think on things that are biblical. And then you say yes to what the Spirit of God says in your life. And when you do, and this is not the only place in the New Testament this shows up. This shows up in James, this principle, just like this. And in at least two other passages that I can think of, this is New Testament living. This is spirit-filled living. If you want to live a life controlled by the Spirit of God, you have to say no to your flesh, think on the truth of the Word of God, and say yes to the Spirit of God. And things that you could never do before you were saved, you will overcome. And it will not be because of you in your flesh. It will be because the Spirit of God within you empowers you and strengthens you to overcome the wickedness that is this world. And that can be true for a child who does not obey and honor their parents. That can be true for a husband who does not love his wife like Christ loves the church, or a wife who does not submit herself to her own husband as unto the Lord. Romans 8 and verse 13 puts it this way, For if ye live after the flesh, if you just keep saying yes to the flesh, make an excuse, well, that's who I am, I just have a bad temper. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. And the idea is destruction. You're going to reap what you sow. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Ye shall live. You see, fulfilling God's role for our lives was designed to be a cooperative venture between God and us. Teach your children that. And failure to cooperate with the Spirit of God accounts for every failure in the Christian life. Failure to cooperate... Failure to say yes to the Spirit of God accounts for every failure in the Christian life. Everyone. You see, God, he set a standard. That's true. Wives submit, husbands love, children obey and honor. But he's also made a provision. And that provision is himself. It is God the Spirit living within you, within me. And you and I are not sufficient to combat what we face and overcome what has been us for our whole lives, but the Spirit of God within us is more than capable of doing it. Let's all stand.